0: everyone welcome to rowdy book club my name is shannon my pronouns are she and her and i am one entire human being who is also a co-host of this podcast
1: yes and hello uh, welcome my name is michael i am also an entire human being my pronouns are he him I'm. <laughs> um, hey shannon what's up We're recording, and we're actually in the same state, but not. Oh
0: my gosh, you're right. We are
1: not in the same location.
0: No, not even a little bit,
1: but. I Um, mean, kind
0: of a little bit. We're both in SoCal, right?
1: Yeah, I'm in Palm Springs. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very warm, and just so our listeners know, I am currently (laughs) (laughs) under two blankets to try and dampen all the sound of my nieces that are literally just running around and screaming. So, um we're on a family vacay right now super fun but uh it's very warm here and again under two blankets so just sweating a little bit and i'm still
0: in the sweaty closet from last time
1: (laughs) yes um shannon what's new oh my
0: gosh life is good i mean as good as anything is in 2021 but yeah no it's good we're vibing um how are you doing michael
1: Um, I'm doing great. Again, we're on vacation right now, so it's kind of nice. Uh, in order to prepare for this vacation, though, I did work just nightmare hours, uh, to try and get things finished for my clients. One of my clients finally purchased all of their hardware and cabinets for their kitchen, and that's going to be installed in a few weeks, nice. uh, their projects in Maryland, so that's going to be super exciting. Uh, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, I'm an interior designer, so that's what I do. You know, for a job, this is what I do for fun. <laughs> but okay, so a few things that I am currently obsessed with. So yes, I will. Please. I so I have three things that I'm really in love with this week, and I will name them in order from least obsessed to most obsessed oh i like
0: this this is a good way to order things
1: yes so the the first thing is this new anime i've been watching called kami sama kiss and it's about this girl i think it's uh i think it's made in like 2012 or something like that so um it's this girl whose dad is I think he like gambles away all their money or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. So she's like homeless and then her dad's just like gone. So she goes to live at a shrine and she becomes like the god of this shrine oh. and she gets a, f- a familiar that is like this silvered, silver haired, like beautiful fox man. And it's just ridiculous, but I love it. Nice. Um, yeah. So that's a, a big love. Also, have, do you listen to Billie Eilish? Are you a big Billie oh, fan? Oh,
0: you know, I feel like I listen to, like, one or two of her songs. I don't know. I should just listen to all her songs. It's just, like, as I, like, come across them on the internet, I'll, like, hear little bits of it. I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool. I should listen to that whole song. And then I'm like, wow, this song is really good. So.
1: Yeah. Um, well, she has a new album out, and there's a song on there called Oxytocin, and I'm obsessed with it. I just turn it on repeat at the gym. and. Yes. Here's the thing. It's like the song that you need playing in the background of, like, seducing and assassinating a villain. Like
0: Yes. That is the only valid form of music.
1: Right? It is your, like, sexy, seductive catwalk, but, like, I'm also gonna take you out song. And it's awesome. So that's number two. And number three on my things that I'm obsessed with is Pokemon Unite.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. Do you actually
1: know about this or um, do I need to explain this? No,
0: I know what it is in that, like, I watched a video essay about it that was fairly critical of it, (laughs) saying that it's essentially gambling for children. And it's, like, trying to give children a gambling addiction.
1: Interesting. So That's very But I
0: think they were also maybe sort of making an argument that, like, most... Uh, what are they called M-mobas? MOBAs yeah most MOBAs yeah. are kind of more or less operate on, in a similar way but that like oh, yeah, Pokemon yeah, yeah, yeah. Unite is maybe more egregious in part because it's for children and in part because like
1: mm, interesting I guess
0: in Pokemon I say I don't really I watched the show as a kid yeah, yeah. but I don't I haven't played any of the games yeah. but I guess in the games like gambling is kind of presented in a negative light and so, <laughs> so it was like this is this like is, hypocritical this is now
1: a, a podcast welcome to our
0: Pokemon podcast where I a person who knows very little about Pokemon talks to you all about how it's very problematic
1: (laughs) yeah i mean interesting take i do know like okay so i'm a big pokemon fan and there's like a lot of people in like the fan base that are like oh this game is pay to win essentially and yeah i think that's also part of like it's it's really it's really not like oh I, i do i do understand that like There are certain aspects of it that you're like, if you pay more money, you can slightly have, like, a few better items and stuff that could give you an advantage. And I'm like, but if you're a good player, you honestly don't need that, Mm. you know? Like, like hashtag get good. Like, get on my level. (laughs) It's only
0: problematic if you're bad at video games.
1: Yeah, exactly. I am in the expert tier um uh yeah just achieved that and like i i haven't done any of the like pay to win stuff so like that's why i'm like you know what it's really like i do see why some people are upset about it but it's not like it's not necessary for you to buy stuff if you want to be good like if you
0: know what you're getting into which i guess part of the argument is that children don't because they're children yeah um, Yeah, yeah. then you'll be fine that makes yeah. sense, but and I will yeah. say too, like Pokemon Unite is definitely not the only game that operates on this whole like let's give children yeah, yeah, a gambling yeah. addiction model. Like hello yeah. Fortnite, but we don't need to get into that either. Yeah, because this is also not a this is not a podcast about video games that no, I about haven't video played. <laughs> 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 that comes. We are, later.
1: We're going to make a, a video game podcast, but not just any video game podcast. A video game podcast about games that Shannon doesn't actually know about. Yes. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, What about what about you? I love that you did three because I also well I I was I've been like trying to narrow it down to just one, but now I see that I don't have to, and I also (laughs) have three that I would like to address at this time. Okay. Um, I don't know what they're ordered by. I guess from I guess from like the one I least decided on to the one I was like I think I will do this one. How's that? So my first obsession is. Uh, The latest single from Lil Nas X is called Industry Baby. and it is so good. I love it. I love Lil Nas X.
1: I know N- you do. And Michael I, like, and I have talked about this before. I love that you love him.
0: I just love him so much. And, and like, we've talked about this before, you and me, Michael, and Michael has told me that he loves Kate Blanchett, but not just like, oh, I love her. He's like, I want to love her as a lesbian. And that is how I feel about yes. Lil Nas X. Like, I don't like, like my little inner, like, Teenage gay boy who's like just coming to terms with his gayness is like Lil Nas X. Like that, yeah, that 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 person inside of me is in love with Lil Nas X. So anyway, I need to drink some water because I can tell that my mouth sounds really like.
1: (laughs) Oh, this is audio hell.
0: (laughs) Welcome to audio hell, where we talk about video games I've never played.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> And then I this, drink
0: really loudly. I'm going to worst. edit all of this out. Perfect. It's going to be, we'll put it in the bonus content, just like, hey, welcome to the worst ASMR of all time.
1: Can, can you actually just like cut it and then sprinkle it in through the rest of the podcast? <laughs> just like randomly? We'll just yeah, be talking we'll and then there's in- like horrible sounds.
0: <laughs> we'll use that instead of like bleeping, like if we decide to swear. We'll be like, what the... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> What's he saying? Okay, I'm sorry about that. I will edit that out. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I was talking about how much I love Lil Nas X. Uh, yeah, so yes. I will say I didn't like it as much as Montero, his, like, first single on oh this album. Oh, my gosh. So good. Oh, my gosh. Montero. I still, like, all the time in my mind when I listen to it at work and I'm just, like, singing along to it so loud but in my head. And I'm just, yeah. like... I wanna sell what you're buying! Um, but in my mind. Inside yeah. my mind! Uh, anyway. Yeah, so I love that, but I also loved Industry Baby, especially because one, the music video is hilarious, but two, he used the vi- music video to do, to team up with the Bail Project, which is a non-profit that is working to get people not incarcerated anymore slash paying people's bails uh, because bail is mm-hmm. bad and they're fighting to end cash bail so i think that's really cool that he's doing that because he's like fighting for gay rights but also being like incarceration is a joke and also it's such a joke i'm gonna do a hilarious music video about what a joke it is so yeah love that also it's a banger great song <laughs> um let's see okay so that's number one more audio hell <laughs> oh my gosh okay <laughs> sorry i'm just like again the voice in my head that's like you're gonna have to edit this later the next one that i have is so there is this youtuber who i love her name is contrapoints she is a video essayist and probably the smartest person on youtube which i know that doesn't sound like much of an accomplishment because we are talking about youtube but anyway she is very intelligent and she does these amazing video essays and her latest one came out last week sometime i saw it a week ago and it's called envy and she talks about envy and like what it means in our culture and why we do it i don't know it's i mean it's just like so well structured she does she wears a bunch of costumes the music is amazing like it is a presentation and i love (laughs) it so yeah check that out if you listen to a lot of audiobooks or podcasts like You're in the target demographic. Um, So, yeah, check that out. Envy by ContraPoints. So good. Loved it. And, yes, it is two hours long, but it's two hours of just – it's amazing. Uh, Okay, and all of her other videos are great. Okay, and then the last thing that I want to talk about is another podcast, actually, that I just discovered a couple weeks ago. And it is called Well, There's Your Problem. And it's a podcast about engineering disasters with slides. Oh. oh, oh. And – it's, yeah, so it's on YouTube. Although I think you can listen to it as just a podcast. Like, the slides mm-hmm. are pretty slow, like, but they are beneficial. No, but anyway, so this podcast is these three people who have, like, the blackest senses of humor talking <laughs> about these engineering disasters, and it is just, like... I don't know. There's something about it that I guess to me is like really cathartic because sometimes it's like – especially because like, I don't know, we just like know so much about all these terrible things that are happening all over the world and you feel like you just have to be like, oh no, and like really upset all the time, which like is fair and you should. But like this podcast, I feel like they've just like gone past the point of like being able to care and it's just sort of like this like – just this like very dark sense of humor about yeah. these terrible things that happen, and I just like really enjoy it. And like they're like very antagonistic both to each other, but also to their audience. Normally I would be turned off by that, but something about it is just like so hilarious. Like I think they're <laughs> on their Twitter, like their pin tweet is like, "Welcome to the well, there's your problem podcast, the podcast that hates you back." Which <laughs> just I don't know Amazing. something about that is really speaking to me in this moment yeah. in my life. So. Yeah, very, very funny. You don't learn that much about engineering. I don't feel like you have to know anything about engineering, because I do not. <laughs> but if you like to rubberneck at disasters and true, and you like true crime, because I feel like true crime is kind of rubbernecking a little bit, um, then I think you will enjoy this podcast. So, yeah. Okay. So those are my three things that I like. Should we start American. talking about our book of the month?
1: Okay, let's talk about the book of the month.
0: And let's also, right now... <laughs> Give a big trigger warning because I think – or content warning or whatever because I think we're going to uh, talk about there's things. There's
1: like – there's so – there's so much. There's so much. I It's overwhelming. Hey, everyone listening, um, The House of Spirits is what it's called. Yes? The yes. House of Spirits by – oh, no, I forgot her name.
0: Isabel Jende? Do,
1: do I even participate in this book club? I don't know. That's um, right.
0: You don't need to know the author's name so to know a book.
1: Oh, except guess what? I did do some research on her. Yes. Okay, this book, there's like so much. I don't – Shannon, you're going to do like a, a brief summary, right? Oh, uh, like, we'll try di- to keep like, it brief. I was going to say good luck. I don't even know where you're going to begin.
0: Yeah, I figured something out. We'll get to that when we get to there. But there's just a lot of adult content in this thing. It's really funny because this well, – I mean, I read this book first when I was a senior in high school. as the summer reading. and This um,
1: is a weird book for someone to be like, hey, yeah – List, yeah, like, like, this is what high people schoolers. in high school
0: should read. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think I mean, I mean think it was okay. Like, I don't think it was like, oh my gosh, I'm scarred by this. Obviously not. This is literally my favorite book. <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot of adult content in it. Um, a lot of sexual violence. A lot of yeah. regular violence. Yeah. And other things. So just, you know, heads up. Um, okay, okay. But, yeah, but I'm, I'm assuming that whatever we're going to listen to next month will be a little lighter and... <laughs> hopefully not have to be like I mean because like last month it was like, oh my gosh, this book uh, yeah. has content. Um and this yeah. book And then this is worse. This book
1: has even more, yeah. It has a lot more content. Yeah. So
0: I'm really sorry, everyone. we we'll do something light eventually. Hopefully next month. But yes, yeah, so, okay, so content warning out of the way. We are reading House of the Spirits by Isabel Agende. Oh, I guess this is not really a content warning as such, but I'm just gonna say, uh so this, this book is originally in Spanish, it takes place in Latin America, Chile, but I don't, I make no promises about my ability to consistently pronounce the names of the characters correctly in Spanish. I speak Spanish, or um, er, I don't really speak Spanish, it was my first language, but I don't really speak it anymore. Oh my gosh, so. I
1: totally forgot that. I
0: know, it's so weird. I, I, I feel like my brain also forgot that. Would be nice <laughs> if I could still speak Spanish, wouldn't it? Anyway, yeah, so I'm just going to say that if that bothers you hearing me, like, say, like, a very gringo pronunciation of Spanish words, uh, I am sorry. I will try to not do that, but no promises. Um, Michael, do you have a similar, anything you want to say about that? I know yeah. you speak Spanish.
1: Okay, so I do speak Spanish, but, like, it has been a hot minute since I, like, practice it, and I, I know my accent is terrible. So, you know what? Don't at me, y'all. It's going to be right. bad.
0: Right. So that's our last disclaimer. We are ready to talk about this freaking book. We're 20 minutes into the podcast. Oh, my gosh. I will cut Um, it down, though.
1: Okay. So where are we starting? Do you want to start with like a little summary for everyone? Sure.
0: I will attempt that. Um, Okay. So I figured that the best way to do this is to just kind of go through each of the important characters in this because it's not it's not really a traditional like three act structure Uh, sort of story. No, not at all. Um, So I will talk about everything that happens in this book. Well, no, I won't. I will try to briefly summarize. Oh my gosh, my table is moving around. Okay, I will try to briefly summarize things as best I can. Also, obviously spoilers at this point on. So House of the Spirits follows three generations of this wealthy upper class family in Chile, kind of throughout the 20th century. And it starts with a character, Clara, who is I think at the beginning of the book, she's like four or five years old. She's a little kid. And so she is. I w- she's in the mo- in the book through like the first like two thirds, I would say. Um, and she is kind of I would say like the anchor character of this family. And you know, it kind of starts with her. Um, okay. So Clara the thing about Clara that you need to know is that she is clairvoyant. She can do magic. Well, not really magic. It's more like like psychic stuff. Um, and yeah, she's also she's like be- a psychic. Yeah, essentially. Um, she can do like. Te- telep- telepathy
1: te- and telepathy? she can talk to ghosts and she can talk
0: to ghosts i don't think wait what is telepathy mm-hmm. is that the one where you talk to other people's brains i guess she does that a little bit she can move yeah, stuff yeah, with her she's mind
1: telekin- yeah she's telekinetic and telekinetic. she and she can also sort of do some mind speech stuff
0: yeah and also she talks to ghosts which is kind of where the name of the book comes from yeah. Um and but because of that, she's kinda like only semi like in the world. Like she's kind of like vibin and just like kinda out there. So she's just like kind of goes through life, kind of just like in a dreamlike state in some ways, which is good because I think it's the only way her marriage survived even somewhat. And that's because she's married to this guy whose name is Esteban Trueba, and he is mm-hmm. the worst. Yep ever. The
1: actual worst human. objectively.
0: He sucks. And so you see, Esteban was originally uh, uh, betrothed. <laughs> That's the word. He was mm-hmm. originally betrothed to Rosa, the older sister who dies. And yeah. But he's really poor at the beginning because his father squandered the family wealth because he was, like, an alcoholic or whatever. And so he goes and works in a mine the whole time he's engaged. And then, like, the minute that the mine starts, like, making money or whatever, he, like, finds gold or whatever. I don't, I don't know how mining works. that that's when he learns that Rosa has died. And then he's, you know, he's very angry. He's a very angry character. I'm sure we will get into that later. And because of that, he kind of like turns his attention toward the family estate, which is called Tres Marias. And so Mm -hmm. he's like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, kind of dig this place out and like, because it had been neglected because of his father. And so he's like, I'm going to like bring this back. I'm going to bring order to it. And he does. And it's very, and it becomes very successful. But the whole time he's down there, He's raping everyone. Just every single one.
1: Literally everyone.
0: Literally everyone. Including his first victim is a woman named Pancha Garcia. And she eventually gives birth to their bastard child, who's the only child named after him, who's named Esteban. And that's important. Put a little pin in that. And it's when he learns that his mother is dying, that he goes home, and her dying wish is that he will get married and have legitimate children... And, you know, kind of continue the family legacy or whatever. And it's at that point that he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm just like a weirdo guy. Let me see if that family that I was originally engaged to has any other daughters. And so that's how he becomes engaged to Clara, who is the lo- like the youngest daughter in this family. So there's a big age difference there, but I guess that was kind of normal back then. So, uh, So then they get married. And at that point, they move into this big house on the corner that Esteban builds, which is the aforementioned House of the Spirits. And along with them, his older sister, Ferula? I don't really know how to say her name.
1: Yeah. Ferula? Okay. And she's, like, the coolest character.
0: I really like her, too. Yeah. Um, She's also, like, definitely a lesbian in a society where that is just not a thing you can be. I love it. Um, Yeah. And so she is basically a spinster, and she is super in love with Clara, which is interesting because guess who else is super in love with Clara? That's right. Her brother, Esteban. And so... There's kind of this, like, rivalry that happens between the two of them for a little bit, but ultimately Esteban, like, walks in on <laughs> Clara and Ferula, essentially, like, spooning, and he's like, get out! And he freaks out, and he throws her out, and it's at that time that she curses him that he will shrink, his bones will shrink, and then someday he will die like a dog, um, which <gasps> okay. is such a good curse.
1: Literally... <laughs> I just put that together, that she was the one that did that. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, How? I, I was like, what is going on? And then I completely forgot that she cursed him. Amazing. Wow. Great.
0: But yeah, so then Clara wants to find her again, because she's like, okay, whatever. They're having their beef, but like, I still like Ferula. But she can't find her in spite of her best like clairvoyant efforts, because Ferula does not want to be found. And it isn't until Ferula dies that... She is. A, they're sort of reunited, and Clara is able to kind of repay her for all of this kindness and love that she was shown earlier in her life. So that's a thing. Okay. At this point, Clara has Blanca, who is their first child, and she's just kind of like a chill baby for a while. They're BFFs. She and her mom. But then when she's a child, they go back to Tres Maria's, and that's where she meets Pedro. You guys, I'm really trying. Okay. Emit? Pedro Tercero Garcia, who is related to Pancha Garcia. I remember her from earlier. And they're just like little kids at first, and they just like immediately are just like BFFs. And then as they grow older, they become lovers, and they are just kind of like star-crossed lovers. Their relationship is amazing. They've just like, they were just meant for each other. Which is super cool and awesome, except that Pedro Tercero is basically a peasant and also a socialist, and he hates Esteban Trueba, and he's the only one who dares to talk back to him. And so because of that, he gets into trouble and eventually gets run off of the hacienda and has to become like a fugitive, which, you know, puts a little kink in their relationship, but they still manage to see one another whenever they are both in Tres Marias. And so one of these summers, a certain character is introduced a French count named... This is going to be even worse, because I really don't know how to pronounce French. Jean Uh, de Sartigny? I think that's how you say it. I'm just calling him Jean from now on, or the count. And he's like, hey, guys, I want to make chinchilla farming a thing. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, a count from France! OMG! So, like, everyone loves him. And very early on, he sets his sights on Blanca. Not in, like, a romantic way, really. Honestly, I throughout the book get like a big gay vibe from him but maybe it's just because he's french i don't know but he seems more interested in like kind of what being married to blanca can provide for him financially but that said he still likes blanca like they get along well like they have a good relationship but she's just like under no circumstances will this ever be a thing romantically and he's like all right we'll see because guess who knows blanca's secret that's right Jean de saint And so he waits until the pivotal moment where, well, I think he's kind of like, oh, okay, I have some information on this, but shouldn't be a problem until one night he like follows her and like sees the depth of their love for each other. And he's like, oh, this is going to be a problem. And so yeah. it's at that point that he rats her out to her dad. And Esteban Trueba, being the worst human being of all time, loses it. And it's at that point that his Oh, oh, there's also a big earthquake, and Esteban gets, like, really injured. This happens before this.
1: He gets crushed. Okay, All of his bones are was, broken. It was at that moment. They were, so, like, there's an earthquake, and Clara, like, sees Esteban get basically squished by the house. And I was like, this is it? Amazing. Everyone is free. The tyrant is dead. But no. He survived. I was so upset.
0: Oh. Yeah, I'm sure that was very disappointing for you. Yep. Um, but yeah so he gets put back together for better or worse but during this time that he's injured is like when Clara is kind of the most like in focus with the world and it's at that point that I think she kind of learns more about Esteban and their relationship starts to deteriorate because before she's kind of just like vibing and just kind of like oh that's nice that's nice like she's just kind of like whatever and like his anger doesn't really bother her and like his just whole deal doesn't really bother her And then after this, she kind of like, I think, kind of sees the reality of what he's like, and it really hurts their relationship. And of course, she finds out about all the rapes he did. And at this point, they have this big confrontation. Well, because Blanca gets in trouble. She gets caught. And, you know, of course, Esteban's also like mad at Clara because somehow it's her fault or whatever. And Clara's like, well, they're just doing for love what you did to all those peasant girls for just because you're a horny evil person and -hmm. it's at that point that he slaps her so hard that it knocks out all of her teeth or it's her front teeth i guess and it's from that time forward Clara no longer speaks to him and essentially their relationship is over but they stay married because uh, you know
1: because it's like at that point it's like what the 40s or something 30s 40s Mm,
0: yeah like the 50s i think i don't know it's kind of like it's very ambiguous about like what time it is
1: but it's that point in time where you're like, oh yeah, you stay with someone even though you're unhappy because, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it was a different time, a worse yep. time, and so because of that, Blanca and Pedro Tercero can't be together anymore, and Esteban decides to get his revenge on Pedro. Like he plans, he's like, I am going to murder this kid and but no one will show him where he is because everyone loves Pedro Tercero. Oh my gosh, Pedro Tercero. Is that any better? Pa- His name is really hard for me to say. Gosh, I'm so white. Pedro Tercero. <laughs> <That's sighs> Can I just call him PT? Is that okay?
1: PT. Yeah, call him PT. Or Pedro T? Okay, what I'm just going to call him something. Like Pedro the 3rd. Oh yeah, like Pedro just, get, just just get like real white.
0: Oh my gosh, what do I call him Pedro, Pedro III? Pedro
1: the 3rd. Um
0: yeah. okay, yeah, we'll do something. But everyone loves him and so they're all like no, none of them want to help Esteban because they know that he's g- going to kill him and his father even like leaves the hacienda and we never see him again because he's just like oh i don't want to i don't want to be here when you find my son essentially is what he says and ultimately the person who helps him find pedro is his grandson from the bastard relationship from the rape who's esteban garcia the second who is his grandson but he doesn't know that it's his grandson and this Kid is, like, definitely a sociopath or something. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I'll show you where he is if you give me, you know, there's, like, a reward offered. And he's like, yeah, give me the reward. And so they go up and they find Pedro the Third. He's hiding out and he's asleep. And Esteban, like, sneaks up on him. And then he cuts off three of his fingers. Obviously, he was trying to kill him. But then Pedro is able to escape. And but not, you know, he loses three of his fingers and Esteban also realizes like as he's like doing that he's like oh my gosh I don't want to actually kill him like he has this kind of like come to jesus moment of like oh wait maybe I don't want to do this so yeah but then he's still like just so angry about the whole situation that when they get back the his bastard grandson that he doesn't know is his grandson is like oh where's my reward señor and he's like go die like he's just no sympathy uh so that is the thing but here's the other thing Blanca is pregnant, she's pregnant with Pedro's child. And when they find that out, well, when Esteban finds that out, he's like, okay, no, we got to make this legitimate. And he forces Count John to marry her, and then he takes her up to the north. It's there that Blanca discovers that he is, like, this crazy sex fiend who does, like, really weird, makes, like, weirdo porn in a back room, and she gets so freaked out by it that she's like, nope, goodbye, and... They like, and then we never see him again. Um, So it'd be like that sometimes. And then she goes back to the big house on the hill with Clara and the rest of her family. Oh, by the way, haven't even mentioned these characters because they're like not super important yet. But Clara actually has two other children, twin boys named Nicolas and Jaime. And Nicolas is like not that important, he's just kind of like a weirdo. And then he like goes to Canada. I don't know. He's not really in it that much. And we do not have time to get into him. And then Jaime is, like, very virtuous. And he's, like, kind of a tormented soul in a lot of ways. He becomes a doctor because he's just, like, very compassionate. He wants to help people. And so Blanca gives birth to her her daughter, Alba, who is the daughter of Pedro III and Blanca. And so the last third of the book is the story of Alba. And this is when Clara passes away, like, when Alba's pretty young And this is also when the book gets, like, pretty overtly political in a way that, like, I mean, the whole book is very political, but, like, it's more just, like, Esteban being like, I'm a Nazi, and then Clara being like, you're dumb. And so, like, everyone in the family is, like, super lefty, except for Esteban, who's, like, a fascist, essentially. And also, he becomes a senator. Alba is also super lefty. She becomes, like, a when she grows up, she's a college student and, like, very much, like, involved in, like the socialism and all this stuff the socialism i don't know what that means like she goes she's like part of this protest but then she has to leave because her cramps from her period are so bad and then this girl like makes fun of her for it and she's just like oh i can tell you're the bourgeoisie cuz you don't have cr- you don't have periods like the proletariat do which i was like <laughs> okay what? because endometriosis is only something that happens to the rich i don't know that's like such a weird moment to me but i guess she gets her redemption later so whatever and so here's where, like, things kind of inter—I mean, all of this is very historically—well, ac- I don't know how historically accurate it is, but it's definitely, like, in our timeline in the real world. And it's at this point that the socialist candidate actually wins the uh, election and becomes the president. And it's at this point that <laughs> the CIA doesn't like that very much because it's the Cold War And so they, along with the conservative people in the government, work together to overthrow the socialist government. And then there's a coup, and it becomes a military dictatorship. Isn't that so much better than socialism, Michael? (laughs) Don't you think that, like, a military coup happening is so much better than people doing socialism? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay, so that happens, and it's also at this point... That Alba gets, like, really involved with trying to help people, trying to help people escape the country. And, like, she has this boyfriend who is, like, a revolutionary, essentially. And, like, he's kind of like, oh, we got to be a guerrilla. Guerrilla warfare, it's the only way. Like, the revolution! And so that kind of puts her in danger as well as her own activities. And it's at this point that Esteban Garcia, the grandson, gets his revenge, essentially, on Esteban Trueba, the first one. um, Because... Alba is taken away by the secret police where she is raped and tortured by him who is like in the police force um, and is part of this dictatorship. And it's this that is actually the impetus for the book being written because as she's in prison in this camp, this concentration camp, essentially like the thing that rescues her, because she just like gives up her will to live. But then her grandmother Clara, appears to her and is like, no, it's easy to die. It's hard to live. Like, so you should live, Alba. And like, encourages her to, like, write down her story, even if in just in her mind. And then, at this point, Esteban pulls this favor from very long, long ago. There's a character who, who shows up very occasionally throughout the book. Her name is Transito Soto, and she is a sex worker, and she has is originally... Has
1: a magical snake tattoo around her belly button. She has a magical button. snake
0: tattoo, and it's with the power of the magical snake tattoo that she... Uses her laser beam that comes out of her belly button and shoots down the prison camp and gets Alba out.
1: My Hero Academia.
0: Oh, I haven't seen that,
1: but oh, I was going to say, welcome to my marble can... movie. <laughs> there's a guy there can, that can shoot a uh, laser out of his navel.
0: Oh, okay, love that. Anyway, Transito Soto. She was originally a sex worker in outside of Tres Marias when she was like a like a young woman. And Esteban just kind of took a liking to her because they were kind of kindred spirits in some ways. Like, she was very ambitious and, like, she was like, I'm getting out of here. And she asks him for 50 pesos or something to, like, kind of get her start. And he gives it to her just kind of like, oh, whatever. And then, like, 40, 50 years later, he goes back to her. I mean, he's seen her a couple other times, but he goes back to her and he's, like, kind of asks her to save his daughter because she is, like, has all these connections because, like, everyone in the military goes to her brothel to do their business so because of that she pulls all these favors and she is able to rescue alba from this hell that she has been put through and then alba goes home she's with her grandfather when he dies and then she starts writing the story and then you realize at the end like the last sentence is the first sentence of the book which i think is really cool and she's writing out this story as a way to process her trauma of what happened to her in the concentration camp and that is my summary of the house of the spirits Ooh,
1: yeah uh, like take a lap like get some water yeah
0: seriously intermission i'm gonna adjust my chair again and make a bunch of noises michael you should like put your head out of the blankets for a sec
1: <laughs> um i have put my legs out so my legs are breathing while the rest of me is sweating that works so if you were to walk in i am laying on the floor <laughs> like a blob that just has these like two legs sticking out of it
0: i love that image so much
1: um also, I'm wearing a tiny little swimsuit, so if you were to walk in, it does look like I'm naked because most of my legs are are completely bare. Great. So it looks like you're just like I'm a little naked ghost. on the floor, covering myself and my computer by a blanket, <laughs> like a little pervert.
0: <laughs> that is that's the new that's gonna be the cover of our that's our new icon
1: for this podcast. Get, get rowdy.
0: Okay, Michael, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the author?
1: Okay, so And whatever
0: else you researched, I don't know, I don't know what all you did.
1: Listen, I only did a little bit of research because just just like this book, there's a lot going on in this woman's life. Oh, yeah. Um, she seems like wicked cool. Like I it, this month was so crazy. I I didn't have time to devote to to this research as much as I should and would like to have, but But from a quick cursory Wikipedia search, so she was actually born in Peru, and she kind of like hopped around a few places, ends up um, in the United States, that's where I believe she she is now, and she actually got her United States citizenship in 1993, so she's been a citizen of the United States uh, for a hot minute. The House of Spirits was actually written in 1982, which I feel like is, is kind of helpful information as you're listening to it yes. to think like, okay, what's happening in the 80s, or in like late 70s, early 80s? That is kind of like her mindset to write these things, which just just saying that, hopping back to the like French count that you were like, I kind of get gay vibes from him. I did too and then i thought okay think of someone in the early 80s writing in a gay character like how would they mm-hmm. like how would they write a gay character and like and and obviously i am not this author i'm just putting you know my own spin on things so this could be completely inaccurate but like in that time period, you see a lot of like, oh, this person is gay. We're not going to say it, but we are going to tell you that they wear really nice shoes and really nice clothes. And they're like really finicky about like their appearance. And that's how you know that they're gay, you know? So little things like that, like knowing that the time period that this book was written, you're like, ooh, like, I feel like I understand this character more. I feel like I understand her point of view a little bit more. Anyway. So again, there's a lot of stuff um, in her life. Her Father was cousin to Salvador Allende, who was the president of Chile from 1970 to 1973. So her dad's cousin was overthrown in a coup, and then her mother and her stepfather were like almost assassinated, and she was actually like receiving death threats and stuff like that, and she ended up fleeing to Venezuela. But she it says that she was, like, arranging safe passage for people on, quote-unquote, wanted lists. So she was, like, as you were reading things about her, you're like, ooh, I see a lot of that in the characters mm-hmm. in in this book. So
0: Yeah. This book is, like, cool. very autobiographical. Like, I don't think it's, like, perfectly so, but, like, yeah. Th- yeah, there's a lot of, like, her life that is definitely in this.
1: Yeah. And super cool. She uh, also, like, is an author known for, like, writing in the genre called magical realism. And let me tell you, I know what this is because of Jane the Virgin.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Have you seen Jane the Virgin? I love that. No, I have not seen that. But I love that that is your source of knowledge for magical realism.
1: Oh, one. Yes. One thousand percent. Because so Jane is an author. And she writes in magical realism. And so in Jane the Virgin, like, there, will, there's a narrator to the entire story. And, like, the genre of magical realism, for anyone who hasn't seen Jane the Virgin um, and doesn't know <laughs> what it is, it's not, like, fantasy. Like, there's not, like, it's not like Harry Potter. There's not wizards and dragons and stuff like that. But Sadly, it's there like, is
0: no serpent laser belly button. There is no actual part, laser belly I made that part up
1: we tricked you (laughs) but but it's like realism in the sense that you're like oh yeah this is just kind of like a normal story about normal people but the magical part comes from like this extreme hyperbole of like just you're like okay this this thing wouldn't really happen in real life you know like this thing might happen in real life but it's just like blown out of proportion, and like weird stuff happens like the uh, rosa was like a mermaid like i didn't yeah. even really understand that she like was a mermaid she was an anime protagonist this... she was an anime protagonist because she had green hair and yellow eyes and whatever and then there's like this dog Too anime gets... for this world then there's this dog that clara had that was like murdered during her like engagement party or something like that and they keep saying they're like oh the dog is as big as a horse and it has alligator talons and like That's the magical realism that, like, everything is just, like, super, like, exaggerated.
0: Also, like, um, people being psychic and stuff like that. And it's just sort of, like, accepted. Like, no no one's like, that's not real. There's no psychics. It's just like, yeah, she's clairvoyant. She's going to predict when the earthquakes happen. Like, this is just an accepted reality of our lives.
1: Yeah. Um, Anyway, so that is what Isabel Allende is, like, known for. So that's what this book is, and um, that's kind of my little tidbit about the author. She seems way cool. Go read more about her because there's a lot that I didn't even sort of touch. So do you want to talk about any particular parts or things that just fired you up or things that you want to get rowdy about? Oh my gosh,
0: so many things to get rowdy about. Yes, there are lots of things to talk about. I will say, like, it's funny because, like, as you were reading it, you, like, messaged me and you were like, I see why you like this book. It's because there's <laughs> lesbians in it. And that was funny because when my husband read the book, he was like, I see why you like this book. It's so political. Oh, and- or like he's he's like it's so like leftist and I yeah. and I'm and like I will say to both you and him I'm like yes I do like this book for those reasons but actually the reason why I love this book is not so much that I mean it is all those things but like what like drew me into it the first time when I read it for high school summer reading was well one it's just like I really enjoy the style but there's something about the way that it's like structured that I really enjoy I love the voice. I love, there's, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know why, but, like, omniscient narrators are, like, not very popular, I feel like. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they are. I feel like mm-hmm. I don't encounter them very often, but I love omniscient narrator, narrators, and I love, throughout the book, it's, like, the book almost, like, spoils itself. And I really yeah. love that. I feel like you don't see that very often. Maybe, again, because you don't have, like, omniscient narrators who are like, that'll be important later. Because, like, usually it's, like, they're in, the character's just in their own head and they don't know if it's going to be important later later. And so I just love like this whole like kind of frame and then especially like at the end you discover that the the sort of like omniscient narrator is actually Alba the whole time. And yeah. that like Which like the...
1: makes sense why she knew everything that happened.
0: Right, right. That she's like, Oh, let me recount to you what happens. Mm-hmm. And so and I just love that. And I think that is kind of a thing in Well, I know it's a thing in her writing. I know it's also a thing in the writing of Gabriel Garcia Marquez who wrote 100 years of solitude that's i think his like most well-known book and and actually house of the spirits is very much like inspired by that but in, bo- in in both of their writing there is this just sort of like yeah anyway this happened and also when this character was about to be murdered he thought back on this and realized it was the happiest moment of his life and you're like wait, wait mm-hmm. he's going to be murdered what yeah and it's and it's like but we'll get there when we get there Anyway, they walk down the street and you're like, oh, okay, okay." And then like by the time you so that's like it's kind of like hanging over your head of like, oh, this guy's going to die. He's going to get murdered. But then you're also like, oh, but this is what's happening right now. And then by the time you get to them being murdered, you're like, oh, no, I knew this was coming because they told me it was coming. So I just really like that, just, like, yeah. the way in which it's written.
1: It's very, like, the beginning of Tangled, where when Flynn Rider is like, this is a story about the day I die. Yes. And you're like, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry, what did you just say?
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Yeah, yes, it, uh, Yeah, and she does that throughout the book. She'll just, like, slip in a tidbit, and you're like, can we go back to that? And then she's like, moving on. What?
0: Yes. Is there something you want to talk about now? I'm passing it on to you, Michael.
1: Okay, so I want to get rowdy about how stupid everyone is that they don't ever listen to Clara. Oh, my gosh. Like, like they know that she can, like, predict the future and, like, all this stuff. Like, so many things from the time she's a little girl. She will predict stuff that always comes true. And... She will straight up, like, she predicted Rosa's death. She was like, oh, someone in the family is going to accidentally die. And they were just like, and no one listened to her. Uh, what? And they'll be like, oh, um, yeah, there's about to be an earthquake. And they're like, um, actually, there probably isn't. And I'm like, she keeps predicting stuff. Why are you not listening to her? It is infuriating. It makes me so angry. And I'm like, what, is it because she's a woman? Like, I don't, like... uh, Is it because everyone else is just stupid? Like they know, like there is there is evidence all around everyone about how she can predict the future, and people just ignore her.
0: Well, yeah, and that's also like interesting because it's not even like they're like in the world. It's like yeah, we know this is true. We accept this is true. It's not like like they're like oh, you crackpot psych is being able to see the future isn't real. Like they're all they all accept it as true. But then she's like, there's going to be a big earthquake, and then never. They just
1: ignore it. Anyway also i just like absolutely hate esteban like like last month we talked about uh oh what's the husband's name from carter vampire oh yeah carter he was a he was just a douchebag but like esteban like actively raped like an entire like countryside of women yeah and there's even at one point like when he is like older and married to clara and and she like stops talking to him and they like obviously they're not having sex at this point and he's like to get back at her i tried to rape again and he's like but i just couldn't do it because i wasn't strong enough to hold her uh, hold the women down and i was like what is wrong with you like what anyway yeah um, I wanted him to just repeatedly get hit by cars and <laughs> and the funniest thing reading this book because okay it is like very it was it was it's kind of hard for me to listen to just because it is so like I had no like direction in where we were going with this book you know like oh. I, I, I like to have like kind of a roadmap of where gotcha. we're going and it was just like very wandering like we would just kind of like wander from topic to topic and person to person and it follows like so many like different characters that i was just like "Ooh, this is like where are we going yeah um that's but true. well speaking of where are we going where am i going with this sentence i I don't know
0: you're talking about esteban don't... and how much you hate him and then you were uh, like I, hate... oh, I don't know what's happening oh, yeah, in this
1: yeah. book yeah so like so I'm reading this book and I'm like, I don't know where we're going, and then it just starts talking about this like horrible rapist man. And then Shannon's like, "This is my f- absolute favorite <laughs> book," and I'm just like, "Why?" <laughs> like I'm lost, and the only like prominent character is just like the most horrible person. But then like you get into like Clara becomes she's not like a huge focal point at the beginning, but then right. she becomes like a, a big character and she's like super cool. And then um, Esteban's sister is, like, more present, and then she has lesbian vibes, and that whole thing was amazing, and, um, and then from there, like, I was like, oh, okay, I, I see why. I see why Shannon likes this, but it took, took me a good chunk of time before I was able to see why you like this. But- yeah,
0: that's fair. That is fair. I, I totally agree. Esteban is terrible, and, like, not even just because of the rapes. He is also... Just straight up a fascist, like, he was rooting for the Nazis oh, yeah. in World War II, yeah. and, like, very homophobic, of course, and, yeah. like, just, like, very, I mean, like, all of his politics are, like, very repugnant to me, and just, like, this attitude of, like, oh, well, I put myself up in my own bootstraps, and yeah. I can do whatever yeah. I want, and, like, some of us are just better than other people, which is, like... Just like
1: I don't. Yeah, it's like love that. literally there. There's nothing redeemable about him. It's not like oh, he's this horrible person, but he does this cool thing. It's like everything about him is terrible. All of his, everything he does, everything he agrees with, everything he likes, just terrible.
0: Yes, I will say though, and here's where I'm gonna like come back around on it. Slash, this was what I mentioned to you when I was like, I think the reason, or part of the reason why I like this book is part of the reason why you like Name of the Wind. Mm -hmm. which is that like, at least in my understanding of why part of why you like it is that I'm going to say his name wrong. Kvoth. yeah, Kvoth. Like, I don't really like him. We don't need to get super into this, but (laughs) I don't really like the books. But like why you like him is that he starts out and he's like really cocky and really good at everything. He's kind of a Mary Sue essentially. Mm -hmm. But what you like about that is there's this contrast with him being like, I'm so good at everything. And I always like end up winning and like people try to, Beat me, but I just always get the last word and I win. And there's that, and it's contrasted with how he's just kind of like this loser barkeeper in barkeeper? Yeah. Bartender? bartender whatever. Yeah. Pub man? I don't know. A fantasy yeah. bartender? In, like,
1: an, like an innkeeper?
0: Yeah, sure. Innkeeper in like just this middle of nowhere, podunk, rural town. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. And that's yeah. like part of what you like about it. Yeah. And I will say in a similar vein, I can't personally bring myself to hate Esteban Trueba the same way that mm. like you you do slash probably most people do because yeah. everything in his life that makes him a bad person also makes him miserable. Yeah. Like he does not like – like that was what was hard for me in um, Southern Vampire's Ladies Club book Yeah, is that Carter mm-hmm. could just do whatever and there was like never yeah. really any consequences because that's the way yeah. things were set up in society. And, like, yeah, she gets divorced from him, and I'm sure that was hard for him, but, like, I don't know. He just, like, I feel like he never really faced any consequences for him being, like, the worst husband of all time. But, like, Esteban just throughout the book, he's angry, he's terrible to everyone, and it just makes him miserable. It doesn't make him happy. It doesn't, like... Like, he faces consequences for his terrible actions, and, like, yeah, he doesn't really change, except for maybe – I think at the end he kind of softens. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is that there is kind of this, like, symmetry of, like, he goes around and rapes all of these women, and the fruit of that is that eventually his granddaughter – the only thing that he really cares about at that point in his life. Like, it's worse what happens to her having happened to her than, like, him having yeah. had some sort of retribution, because, like, you know, when someone you love is hurt, that, that – hurts you more than if you were hurt in a of yeah. ways and so like there is sort of this like karmic justice even though like alba is innocent in this like she didn't rape yeah. anyone of course but like yeah. like this is the worst thing that could have possibly happened to him that that like his own bastard grandson like literally the fruit of his loins from this rape that he commits mm-hmm. is what ends up destroying him essentially like yeah. yes alba is able to escape and that's really good like for her but like for him, like, he is broken by this, I think. Yeah. And, and the other thing with that, too, is that Clara, like, all he wants is to possess her. And he's like, I wanted her to love me and only yeah. think about me ever. And he never gets that. Yep. Clara is just not that kind of person. And at the yep. end, their relationship, they are so far apart from each other. Like, mm-hmm. if he would not be the way that he was, like, if he would just be kinder, if he would just deal with his anger, like he, d- he like, he didn't have to be this way, but he, you know, chose to be this way. And I guess, finally, my last thing that I will say about Esteban Trueba, of why I can't hate him, is that I am also a deeply, deeply angry person. And there's, like, part of that, when I see him, I see that in myself. And I don't know what to do with that. Like, obviously, I'm not doing the things that he did with that anger. But, like, there's just something about, like oftentimes like he flies off the rails and he does this stuff and then immediately afterwards he's like oh i took it too far i shouldn't have done that and i guess that to me is really relatable because there have many there have been many times where i have gotten so angry and done things that like immediately i'm like oh i shouldn't have done that like that was yeah that was too much and so i guess that sort of humanized him to me because i was like oh yeah i have been in that headspace I like that. i have not done these things i hope i never do these things and i hope yeah. i don't become like you but there is a part of you that is like a part of me and I guess, like, the, that part of me kind of, like, is this, like, a yoga thing? Like, the goodness in me acknowledges the goodness in you? It's, like, the <laughs> anger and evil in me acknowledges the evil in you. <laughs> I, I guess I have that kind of moment with him. So And yeah. so that's why, like, I agree that he is a terrible, terrible person. But I guess, I like I said, I can't, like, bring myself to fully hate him because, like, there is part of me that's, like, oh, like, in another universe that could be me.
1: Okay. I get that.
0: Let's hand it back to you. Is there anything else is there more is there more um, yeah, that you want to say? Anything else
1: that I want to get rowdy about? Yeah, please. Um, you know what? There's a there's a lot. Okay, but like
0: This book is so thick. We shouldn't have done this book. There's like it's like five hundred pages and there's so much yeah. happening,
1: all of it. Oh yeah, we're supposed to rate it. So let me give let me give it my rating. There is also one more there's one more thing that I wanna get rowdy about because oh, it was please. just like the weirdest thing. Please okay okay i wrote it down i was on my way to work listening to this and i had to pull up some notes and write this down because it was just it was just so weird i was like we have to talk about this okay so rosa mm-hmm. um clara's older sister who is was a mermaid mm-hmm. still unclear i i don't know this author personally um there were a, there were a few things that i so for people listening to this i served an lds mission in argentina in buenos aires and they so p- people in buenos aires are a lot lighter skinned than some other Latinos. And they like take pride in that. And they would like, it's not uncommon for them to like refer to like someone in the family who's darker skinned than someone else as like, like, Oh, the little black one. Like they like, it is very common to, to make that distinction of like, Oh, that person is darker than me. Or like they would, for some reason, a lot of argentine people are like super racist against bolivians they would call them like oh those indios and like you see that written in this book like oh those indios like those like the peasant people that are in the countryside and it it seems like very racist and yeah. i'm not saying i'm not saying that she's writing this and she's being racist but right. when she writes certain characters like she writes rosa and she and i quote She was born an angel, and as soon as I heard born an angel, I was like, don't you dare say that she had white skin. Oh, no. And they immediately say, she had white skin, it was so pale, and she had green hair and yellow eyes, and, like, all of these are very, like, not typical, like latin features and i was just like why are we and this could you know this could be like internalized racism like oh i'm i am just taught by society that white skin is better but i had a problem with that
0: fair that Um, is fair and actually i'm glad you said that because i also have things to say in that vein yeah if you're done Um, i don't cut
1: you off No, this is I. Now I'm getting to the weird part. Okay. Oh, this so, isn't the weird part. No, that was just something that was that, the
0: that was the context.
1: That yeah yeah, yeah. okay but, okay so Rosa she dies and then the is it like the priest or something like does her autopsy? Oh
0: no, it's the doctor and his assistant. Okay,
1: yeah. So an uh, his doctor, a doctor and his assistant, like do her autopsy or whatever, and and the assistant. Oh my gosh. Can go straight to hell because, because he, it talks about how he is like looking at her and he's like, Oh, it's such a shame that she's dead because she's so beautiful. He didn't know anything about her. He was just literally this object, this like dead woman. He's like, Oh, I know nothing about you except the way that you look. Like I'm, and he was like weirdly fixated by the way she looks. Also, Rosa's own dad, like, When she dies, it talks about how he mourns. And what he says is he's like, oh, remember how she would scare away the butterflies because she was so beautiful? It doesn't talk about anything else about her other than how pretty she is. And like that she was literally just an object to everyone. Anyway, at one point, Clara is like looking through the window at the assistant. And he's like, after doing the autopsy on her body. Do you, know when it, do you know where I'm oh, going with this? Oh, as soon as
0: you were like the assistant, or like, I don't know exactly what you said, but yeah, I was oh, just like, oh, 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 oh I know oh, exactly oh, oh, what part oh, oh, you're talking oh, about. Because oh, oh, that oh, part, oh, oh, like, I'm... the fir- I mean, every time I read it, but that first time that I read it, I was like... What? what is it happening
1: okay so so yeah now let me get into it so Clara imagine so imagine being Clara who's like what eight like, at this point in time yeah
0: like six or seven
1: yeah she's like super young and she sees these two men do an autopsy on her sister so that's traumatizing in and of itself and then this creepy assistant like sews her up and then he, like sponge bathes bathes her and like cleans all the blood off of her and then it says he kisses her mouth her neck her breasts, and like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Mm-hmm. And then it says he kisses her between the legs. I'm sorry, sir. Go to hell. What is wrong Back. with you? No. no, nope, nope, return it and get out of here. Yeah. Anyway, so that was that was a whole, just a weird thing yep. in the book. Yep. And it's just one of those things that you're like, there was this weird creepy character that did this weird creepy thing, and that's the end of that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever.
0: Yeah, that part is definitely, like, there are certain parts of this book, like I said, I love this book, and most of it, like, when I get to parts, I'm like, oh yeah, this part of the book, I like this part of the book. Like, even the parts where, like, bad things happen, like, I still, like, find enjoyment from them, but then there are parts of the book where I'm like, oh no, this part um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that part with the autopsy is definitely one yeah. where every time i'm just like hey! and also i will say like the wait uh, i want to th- i have more thoughts but put a in that i want to go back to what you were saying about like some of the racist language in it and i will say like there are certain things that i'm like yes one this book was written in 1982 so like i mm-hmm. want to give some leeway the other thing this book is written originally in spanish so like also some of there's like could be you know lost in translation yeah. or whatever and then three, I think what she's trying to do is to kind of, like, speak in the language of the time. So, like, yeah, yeah. if it's, like, the 1915s or whatever, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, white mm-hmm. skin. Like, it's so yeah. amazing and good. Like, and I think that's, like, part of it of just, like, kind of, like, being, like, going into that time. But, like, I yeah. will say, like, some of the language, like, still, like, even with that, I'm still kind of like, uh, I don't love that you're, like, mm-hmm. calling people with Down syndrome uh, what they call them in the book. I don't even want to repeat it. Yeah. I don't love it. I think it maybe was f- for a reason, but I just don't, in- I don't love it. It makes me kind of uncomfortable that part of it. I don't like, yeah. um, and yeah. that would be one of my like criticisms. Yeah. But what I was going to say is the other thing is like the last third of the book, like when it's like really getting into like the coup and like all this stuff, like, and also I know what's coming up with like what happens to Alba. Like, I am just like, uh, like, and I will say, like, this time around reading it, because the last time I read it was when I was in college. Like, Trump was president, but it was before, like... <laughs> the literal coup that happened on january 6th yeah and so like all of that hit so different this time like every time i've read it i've always been like oh like the like that whole part with the coup like it's really like scary and i'm like and like in the past i'd be like oh my gosh that'd be so crazy if that happened to me or like if that happened in my country Mm -hmm. but like you know it's kind of like oh we're american like I don't think that that would happen, but now that like it basically did, I mean, obviously it wasn't successful and it wasn't the military. It was just a bunch of like crazy right-wing nut jobs who like, yeah, yeah, we don't need to get into that. But like having, having been that close to something like what happens in the book happening here, like that was really scary to me reading it this time. I was like, it just like hit me really different of like, yeah, like that could happen here. Like in a way that like, I was always like, oh yeah, anything could happen. Like that could happen. But like, The reality of it just like sunk in a lot more for me. And it was like, I don't know, I guess I just like put myself in my in the shoes of these characters a lot more because I was like, we could have done that. Yeah. Also, the fact that like the US basically orchestrated that coup. Yeah. Cool. I feel like I had one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, and then we can read the book. I want to say also part of the reason why I love this book is that I definitely read Clara as... Arrow Ace, which, if you aren't familiar with that terminology, it's oh, mm-hmm. a romantic asexual. Because, like, she's just kind of, like, vibing. I don't know. But she's, like, not... She's never, like, in love with anyone. Like, she yeah. doesn't love her husband. Like, she just kind of treats him as the way she treats everyone else in her life. I mean, mm-hmm. at first. And, like, when Ferula is, like, all kind of in love with her, like, I feel like she still just kind of loves her the same way she loves everyone. And I feel like, to me at least, she seems ace. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I don't know if that's really what the author intended, but, like, that's definitely, like, my reading of it. And so, I, like, even if that wasn't the intention, I feel kind of represented by it. So, yeah, I just think that's cool. And it kind of helps balance out that, like, everyone else in the book is, like, very horny.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Any other rowdiness? No, I think I think that mostly covers it. Cool. Um I do, I want to rate it. I'm trying to think of what, uh, what rating I'm going to give this. So... I'm gonna give this like a uh, I'm gonna give it the meandering award because it feels very, as I mentioned, like we get we get to the we get to the end, but it takes us a long time. A very and long as, time. And as 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 you're reading it, it does feel kind of meandering, like you're just kind of like weaving back and forth through the story and you're just kind of watching it all unfold. So that's why I'm giving it this award.
0: Love that. I'm going to give this book a rating of 9 out of 10 McMansions full of ghosts. Because that's essentially where they live. Um, they
1: do live in a McMansion, yes, yes. And it's spooky. Yes. Okay.
0: I mean, it's not really spooky, actually. Like, how some Spirits, they're, like...
1: There are actually, like, no spooky spirits.
0: Yeah, all the spirits are just kind of, like, chillin'.
1: They're just there. Maybe aliens, who knows?
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. <laughs> Clara is a UFO truther.
1: Okay, should we announce next yes. month?
0: I'm very excited to learn who, what this book is because I don't even know what it is.
1: We don't we don't even Yeah, it's such a surprise. Okay, so I promise I will f- I will do some research and I will find a very good romance no- novel that we will read in the future. Heck. This month is not that month, but so I don't know how this book is. I've never had someone recommend this to me so it might be terrible and i'm, I'm sorry excited for that it's it a is. good
0: contrast to like me being like this is my favorite book ever
1: yeah um so this book is called the once and future witches Ooh. By, by alex e harrow or harrow
0: so that will be our next month's reading remember of course that fascism is a loser ideology and we yep. will see you next month goodbye
1: <laughs> Bye.